0: Hello everyone, welcome to the latest Pharmacy Magazine COVID-19 podcast. This is where we chew the cud over some of the big issues of the past seven days, talk to a pharmacist on the COVID frontline, decide who's top of the class and who's the dunce in the corner in our good week, bad week slot. My name is Richard Thomas, I'm the editor of Pharmacy Magazine. Joining me as usual on the pod are Rob Darricot, editor of P3 Pharmacy Magazine, and Arthur Walsh, editor of our daily news service, Pharmacy Network News. Uh welcome both. Hope you're well. We're coming to the end of our, our fifth week in the Big Brother house and we're all beginning to look a little bit frayed around the edges, but uh but here we are and all ready to go. Rob, what's caught your eye this week?
1: I've been no- I noticed pharmacists on the telly, Richard. Uh pharmacists on the telly, pharmacists in local press. Uh so fair play to uh, the pharmacists, whether they are part of some kind of concerted effort from the national national bodies, seen PSNC in particular, and people connected to PSNC uh, visible in the nationals uh, on BBC Online uh, a couple of days ago, but also some stories popping up now in the in the more local press. So local uh, pharmacy heroes getting a little bit of press and uh, having uh, journalists finally switch on to the fact that this tiny corner of the uh, the NHS has got some good things happening. So I've I've been noticing quite a lot of that this week.
0: Yeah, plenty of pharmacists on the news. That's that's really good, actually, important messages they're getting out there. Uh, And it's good to see. Uh, Arthur, what's caught your eye this week?
2: Uh, Well, all my WhatsApp groups have been going crazy this week. uh, Across the pond, Trump's advisor, Kellyanne Conway, who was uh, famous a couple of years ago for her alternative facts, has now come up with alternative numbers. And said, um, "Was it, she was criticizing the World Organ, World Health Organization for not being prepared? This is COVID nineteen. It's not COVID one. Sort of misunderstanding the uh, the the reason it's called COVID nineteen, which is a uh, pretty pretty amusing.
0: Oh, fantastic! Pretty amusing. i would pretty damn worrying, actually, as well. Uh, but let's thanks for that, guys. Let's move on then to our our good week bad week slot. It's proving to be a very." popular part of the pod actually so let's start with bad week arthur who's had a bad week for you uh
2: unfortunately i think it's my turn to give uh, nhs england a bad week i think both of you chaps have have criticized them in the past couple of weeks the deliver the pandemic delivery service just seems to be uh very overcomplicated, very thorny potentially legally and um just quite it's a delivery service that seems quite hard to deliver and something that seems quite galling is the idea that the government is has potentially foisted these volunteers on pharmacies uh rather than identifying the healthcare need and saying this is a good solution they've got these volunteers and they want to deploy them for you know whatever reason i don't know if it's good press or whatever political reason and it seems to be just not a good move for community pharmacies
0: uh it's The hottest of hot potatoes this week, I think. The delivery service, that's for sure. Um, We might come back to that, Arthur. Rob, what about you? Who's had a bad week? Test kits
1: have had a bad week. First of all, from the top down, uh, we're going to have 100,000 tests done by the end of April. Uh, Sure we are. Uh, We're now at about 18,000. A week ago, we were at 18,000. So, not great news for test kits, but uh, even worse news, if for people selling test kits into pharmacies. I think we've, we've come across one or two stories of people suggesting they've got, got test kits uh, for sale um, and are trying to sell them into pharmacies, which are definitely scams. But there are others that have been around for a while that clearly pharmacies are bought. And we reported this, this week on a, a pharmacist who'd been arrested on suspicion of illegally selling testing kits to the general public. So uh, not a good, not a good week for test kits. I don't quite know what's happening about test kits. I know the government's bought loads from China and they've been found to be not great and they've been discarded, as have other European countries. I've just no idea what's supposed to be happening with this. But one bright bit of good news in the whole midst of the bad news. Well done to um, Greater Manchester LPC for negotiating access to a pharmacy staff and the pe- the families of pharmacy staff who are self-isolating to the new testing facility at Manchester Airport. So a little bit of brightness in amongst the gloom and uh, just shows what happens at a local level when you get your act together and, and, and try and get something sorted for the people you represent.
0: Yes, indeed. Well done, Manchester. That, that's a great initiative up there. Um, so bad week for me. Well, forgive me, chaps. I I'm going to have to come off my long run with this one and I'm going to, I'm going to follow Arthur, actually, and, and weigh in because it's been a very bad week for the, uh, the pandemic delivery service. And what a complete dog's dinner this has turned out to be, just like you said, Arthur. I mean, let's, just to recap on the troubled history um, on this one, do you remember how all this started? This was about three weeks ago uh, with the announcement from the Communities Minister, Robert... Two houses, Jenrick, um, that So four houses, generic Apparently four houses. My goodness, which yeah, house is he? Was, which house is he residing in at the moment, Rob? I don't know. I believe he's in transit. <laughs> so, so Jenrick, who I think was a, a bad week candidate uh, uh, all those weeks ago from you, Rob. So uh, that's when he announced that medicines were going to be delivered by this volunteer network that Arthur mentioned, and before anyone in pharmacy. They knew what the heck he was on about queue dispensary phones ringing off the hook, chaos. So one pharmacist told me that he'd fielded over 300 calls in that first week about oh. deliveries, um, and hardly any of those were on the shielded list. So to bring you up to date, so on Good Friday, after a long wait, the service spec, you know, was finally signed off and released. Was it worth the wait? Uh, I don't think so, and for the reasons Arthur said. So let me say at the outset. Um, this is a delivery service to cater for the most vulnerable patients in this crisis. It's clearly a desirable thing. But there are so many problems and ambiguities and consistencies with this. You know, you hardly know where to start. I mean, identification of which patients is on the shielded list is the first issue. It's not as easy as it sounds. I mean, yes, the details are on the summary care record. But in the absence of a technology based solution that flags these patients up for you. I mean, come on, by the way, PMR companies, get your act together. Uh, It's a very long winded, non user friendly way of getting the information that you need. And you need this information to fulfil the requirements of the essential service. So surely it would have made sense for NHS England to have shared these details in advance uh, with pharmacists via their CCG. And then, like Arthur, you said, the whole liability and safety issue with volunteers. What what a can of worms that is. Who's DBS checked? Who isn't? Who should be? Who carries the can uh, if something goes wrong? And these are like really serious questions, especially if you've got people wandering around with Schedule 4 and 5 CDs. And then it seems to me that pharmacists are going to be spending a lot of their time persuading people not to use the service because it's family, friends and carers first. It's almost looks like pharmacies going out of its way not to deliver, when of course all pharmacists will want to prioritise deliveries for their vulnerable patients. So it's not patient-centred, it's not pharmacy-centred, even PSNC admits it, it's far from straightforward. It, it smells of politics, not patients to me. And I suspect, as I said three weeks ago actually, right at the start, that most pharmacies are just could continue to use their own established arrangements for deliveries rather than this pile of bureaucratic claptrap. So it's a bad week for the desk jockeys at NHS England who dreamt up this ridiculous scheme. It's a bad week for PSNC for agreeing to it. And it's a bad week for the professional bodies who are tying themselves up in knots uh, over their guidance for it. For me, bad week for the pandemic delivery service. Right, before we do good week, let's hear from our pharmacist on the front line. Earlier this week, uh, on Easter weekend, in fact, I chatted with one of the real characters of pharmacy in the northeast of England, Tony Schofield, before he headed into work. Uh, Tony has been a vociferous critic of NHSC throughout this crisis, and this is what he had to say. Tony, thanks for coming on the pod. Happy Easter. How's the Easter weekend been for you in the pharmacy? Well, obviously, we were commanded to open on Friday, uh, which we did, and it was busy.
3: <clears throat> on saturday we weren't but um we aren't normally open on a saturday but i was in uh, we did have some voicemails from frightened patients that um i was able to to help sort out um wednesday we were on sorry sunday we were on rota god i'm getting confused here <laughs> <laughs> sunday we were on rota and what was interesting about the rota was that um we actually didn't have that many people in the pharmacy. It was 8 o'clock till 10 o'clock at night last night. But what we did have was quite a number of referrals from NHS 111, um, the digital referrals to the CPCF. So we were talking in the main emergency supplies, um, but we also had a couple of uh, minor ailments to triage and sort out, which we did through the scheme. And you can do it by telephone, which we did, and people came in and collected that which was agreed. Um, we did more of that than we actually had people coming in with prescriptions. So, you know, the doctors have reported an increase in digital uh, delivery and maybe we're seeing the signs of something similar happening with ourselves. Um, today, we're in in uh, just over an hour's time um, uh, and we'll be working from two till five. Um, the staff have been told that if we're still busy after five and we had to keep going, that they will not go and for it. So I don't want anybody banging the door in the faces of people. Um, But there again, I've got excellent staff and they wouldn't be doing that anyway. So that's, you know, one one thing that has struck me is how much that I've slept in the last couple of days when I I went to bed and didn't have to get up early in the morning. I I normally get up half six, quarter to seven. And uh, this morning, um, after being on road last night, I suppose, I I woke up at quarter to nine. uh, And then, then hung on a bit longer. Um, I didn't believe I could sleep as long as that, but I have.
0: Well, Tony, I don't blame you. I think the, the last few weeks has been exhausting for, for pharmacists and their team. So you, you've thoroughly deserved a, a small lie-in. And the last month or so, I mean, it's been a roller coaster ride, hasn't it, for pharmacy. It's been tumultuous in, in many ways. How have you found it yourself? Well, I think um, when it first started,
3: when the doctors first started having meetings, uh, about how to handle it. And then all of a sudden, it was a Tuesday, I remember just about every GP in the town shut down, uh, had long uh, telephone messages telling people that they had to order the prescriptions through pharmacies, that they weren't to come in under any circumstances. They were to phone NHS 111. All of a sudden, we hadn't had advance notice of this. We knew something was going on, but we had a, enough on our own hands at the time to really think about it. But for the first two days of that, it was horrendous. Um, For a kickoff, we had two girls off um, self-isolating, both who'd showed symptoms, and we had um, one of the girls is pregnant, and so she had to go. So all of a sudden, staff numbers were slashed, and the number of people in the pharmacy, I mean, you know, in happier times, you'd be going, great, (laughs) the place is packed with people, all wanting something, brilliant, you know, bring it on. But it was terrifying because a lot of them were very angry. All of them were bewildered. And coping with that, in retrospect, I don't know how we did. Um, It was, in retrospect, frightening. But we were so busy, we didn't have the chance to to be frightened. I know that immediately we had this problem. That night, one of the delivery drivers helped me. We went to the local Wicks and got some uh, polystyrene, what do you call it, perspex shields and put them up immediately and i'm so glad we did um and then we got the instructions that we could vary our opening hours within certain times and that made a huge difference i have to say in terms of managing patients obviously there's lots of well-documented stuff about how patients haven't taken kindly to uh being told to keep two meters apart when they're queuing and we've had people coming in and saying you know they're bloody ridiculous i'm to get into a chemist and talking to them and saying, well, you know, you realise the Prime Minister's in intensive care at the moment. And you may as well have been talking Swahili, to some of them, because they could not make the connection between the two uh, <laughs> incidents. However, in the main, people have been great. I mean, really, really good. And um, the, the, the thing that's really tickled me, or not, has really touched me, has been the staff. Um, in that first week when we had all these people down, and there was a big increase in workload, huge increase in workload. Just general increase, which our regular staff would have been able to cope with, um, we, we we were just swamped. And these girls who have families, they have friends, people, that, you know, lives. Uh, in some cases, kids, partners, just said, "We don't go till this is done." And then when we got tired. We're coming in tomorrow. And two of the girls came in half seven, two days running. And then on the Saturday, I remember, we were in nine till six, then in part of the time on the Sunday. This was not even discussed. It happened. The staff have a great sense of duty uh, to the public that we serve. And um, they have a great deal of compassion towards the individuals. And I think to a large extent, that's how we've coped. With some of the abusive patients, obviously we slag them off as soon as they've gone out and get a bit of uh, you know, steam off our chests. But uh, most people understand that uh, somebody 's frightened, somebody who's worried, somebody who's looking after somebody who's in danger uh, and can't do anything to help them. All of these people have tensions and frustrations and all our professional lives have taken them out on us, not like they have recently, but we're sort of programmed to cope with it. There's been some offensive stuff, but everybody's reported that and uh, it's not fair to continue to dwell on that when I think that there have been um, positives uh, in the way that we've, we've um, been received and the way that
0: my staff have responded to the challenge. I mean, I, I agree. The pharmacy staff, I think, uh, up and down the, the, the land to be the unsung heroes of this COVID crisis, so fantastic to, to all the, your guys out there, and they've done really well, I'm sure. And what, all pharmacies have responded like this. Anyway, sorry, I cut you off there. Fine. Yeah, that's okay. I was just going to ask Tony, and you've touched on some of them, what have been the main challenges that you faced within the business?
3: Challenges? Well, <laughs> I suppose if you looked at it objectively, you'd say getting the staff to do the work that they've done, but actually that wasn't a challenge. They just did it. Um I think uh, getting them the protective equipment, um, I mean, we've had some very, very confusing information on whether we should have it at all. But really, when people are self di- are, are distancing by uh, two metres, how is that not sensible to do at work? And how can you do it? It's impossible. So therefore, we should be wearing masks. Now, we are out of masks today. Um, the rota we did last night, there were only a couple of us in. We didn't wear masks. We did our best to keep apart. Uh, Today, um, I know some of the girls have taken a mask home with them. I'm hoping they remember to bring them in. Tomorrow, hopefully, it comes. And I spoke to the NPA and said, if I can't provide masks and one of my staff goes down with this disease, um, where am I uh, legally in this? And I wasn't doing it to try and slither out of any responsibilities, but I wanted to tell NHS England about this. And they basically took two days to reply and they, ultimately they said your indemnity insurance will cover it but it took them two days to give me an answer now that shows the complexity of the problem and NHS England just ignored it um I think NHS England have come out as absolute villains in this um I, I believe that um I believe that there's some reasonable things happened. There's been a token attempt at paying for a delivery service. There's been a token attempt at get, helping our cash flow problems. It's bought us some time until they really bite in a few months time, um, which is going to take another, uh, another um, discussion, of course. But if this all fits into a picture, of NHS England not understanding what we do, and surely the one thing that we have proven to the whole country and anybody who's prepared to listen is that Simon Stevens, when he said that all we do is dole out medicines, has been obliterated because people haven't been coming in to our pharmacies to. Be doled out medicines. They've been coming in because they were frightened and they wanted advice. They wanted advice on how to manage symptoms. They wanted advice on family members. They wanted advice. They wanted medicines in some cases, but they wanted support. They wanted us to order their prescriptions. They wanted us to liaise with the GPs, who in a lot of cases weren't prepared to liaise back. Um, And it had nothing to do with our just doling out medicines. So if ever the point has been made about our contribution to primary care, it has surely been made now. And our leaders have got to bang this on the table as soon as possible that NHS England has been abusing us since the uh, since the pharmacy cuts. They've been getting away with murder on the back of we only uh, d- we're just dispensing checkers. Uh, we have demonstrated we do more than that. Otherwise, where would people have gone when a lot of GP surgeries closed their doors? Um, sorry, I'm on my soapbox there.
0: So that was Tony Schofield there. Um, some strong words and his frustration very apparent. Uh, Now, I should declare an interest here. I've known Tony for many years, ever since I was a wet-behind-the-ears cub reporter, and he's one of the most innovative and committed pharmacists I know. And he spoke with great passion and realism, actually, about the situation in the pharmacy on various appearances on the national media outlets. So well done to him for that. I take my hat off to him and his team up in the North East. And thanks again to Tony for joining us on the pod. So it's good week time. Um, it's been another good week, Rob, like you were saying, for pharmacists in the media. Uh, we've seen some BAFTA standard performances, actually, but fair play to everyone. Not easy to go on national television, uh, and these are important messages for the wider public, so uh, well done to that. But my good week this week is actually non-pharmacy related, and it's for Tom Moore. Now, I'm sure you'll have read this in the tab- in the papers. It's a great story. This is the 99-year-old former army captain who's completed 100 laps of his garden on his Zimmer to raise more than £16 million when I looked this morning. £16 million in donations for the NHS. It's, it's wonderful. It's heartwarming stuff. So good week for Captain Moore and the great British public for their generosity. Uh, Rob, who's had a good week for you then?
1: Well, I've heard all the stuff. Uh, nationally about the fact that Rolls-Royce and Burberry are tooling up to produce stuff for the NHS. But my good week has been for individual entrepreneurial Britons who have been helping out. Uh, now, we we featured a story about the 3D printing op- industry offering PPE support to health workers. Uh, initially starting off just in, in school technical department, somebody's got a 3D printer downloads a design off the internet and starts making holders for uh, for visors for health workers, uh, but now we've got the 3D Printing Society, National 3D Printing Society, actually organising that whole effort and putting together access to just under 1,500, around 1,500 3D printers producing daily forty five thousand of these uh uh visor holders, which when put together with uh the kind of uh plastic sheet that you might put in a folder with a four, four hole punch turns into a, a handy visor and that, we got started in this story with a very fascinating looking picture of Mike Hewittson down in Dorset who put in, pictured himself on Twitter. Uh, wearing one of these things, so if you haven't seen that, go on go on to Mike's feed on Twitter and have a look at him uh, uh, displaying that. But I also came across uh, the fact that for um, hospital workers, you know, gowns are a little bit in short supply, and I came across this brilliant story of a village in Brighton that had uh, noticed that their local NHS trust was running short of PPE, and fifty of the villagers got together and and kind of fanned Uh, used their old sheets, and they've turned that into gowns for the NHS, including one rather fetching number, which has now got a member of uh, NHS staff in Brighton wearing a a surgical gown in the uh, the colours of Brighton and Hove Albion Football Club, because that was the sheet that was used to make it. So I think the entrepreneurial spirit of individual people is coming to
0: the fore, and has been coming to the fore this week. Ah, that's some great stories there, Rob. Thanks for those. Um, Arthur, what about you? Good week?
2: Yeah, I thought that was great, Rob. I think that sort of entrepreneurial spirit combined with um, sort of community ethos is a very powerful force these days. In terms of, I, well, I feel quite curmudgeonly after both of your lovely good weeks, but I am going to be a bit cheeky and do a second bad week. And this is for <laughs> um, our lovely health secretary, Matt Hancock who is he seems like a likeable sort of tiggerish character but his enthusiasm isn't always as infectious as i think he would like it to be uh the uk's social care professionals who've been crying out for better pay for for years they've been crying out for that and um, what they're being offered this week is a little tiny badge uh that says care on us lovely attractive little design but what it's actually going to offer them is pretty insubstantial, I reckon. I think some of them are even going to have to pay one twenty for it. I read. I mean, saw
0: it in the Daily Mail. Oh, Arthur, you guess, are you are such a curmudgeon, but uh, that's a, it's a good point, well made, sir.
1: I think that's a really good one, actually. You know, uh, I read one of my the guys I read every every day uh, is the the kind of diary guy in the Guardian, and he he picked up on that whole Tigger thing, and he said about this thing, he said. Uh, Tigger was planning on saving the best till last because he knew that what social care workers really wanted wasn't testing, PPE, more money or a Home Secretary dismissed them all as low skilled. It was a shiny new green badge saying care that he was proud to model. Even the writers of The Thick of It wouldn't have dared come up with something as crass as this. Especially apparently as the badge was actually launched a year ago to the general indifference of everyone in the care home sector.
0: <laughs> so uh, on that. <laughs> that's brilliant. That's uh that's Matt Hancock and his badge um blown to pieces there. Thank you both. Uh I think that just about wraps up this week's pod um thanks rob and arthur as ever for your contributions and uh, a special shout out this week to basingstoke foot clinic for for interrupt or interrupting the pods that will be uh, very skillfully edited out i'm sure um some housekeeping to finish keep up to date with all the covid news on pharmacymagazine.co.uk download if you haven't already the pharmacy network news app Make sure you've signed up to receive the daily Pharmacy Magazine e-newsletters and join the debate on the Pharmacy Magazine discussion forum. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next time. But for now, cheerio.